This is music from a searing orchestral work by composer Bright Shang. This is a highly personal work. It is called Hun Lacerations. These are his reflections, recollections on the anguish that he experienced as a child during the Cultural Revolution in China. I chose to open with this piece not only because I love the music and have an incredible emotional response to it, but also because I feel like this music contains a lot of the elements of Bright Chang's style as a composer. There's a wonderful synthesis of Eastern and Western musical traditions, but there's also this willingness to talk about the Cultural Revolution, to take it on directly. Welcome to Relevant Tones. I'm Seth Bostead. My guest on the program today is Bright Shang. I want to read from the program notes for that piece that we heard, Lacerations. Bright Shang says, Ever since I was a composer, I had wanted to write an orchestra work expressing my direct feelings and recollections about the Cultural Revolution. This was because I grew up during the calamitous decade. So when I received my first orchestral commission in this country, the USA, I kept my own promise. Having said that, I must say that the work is not a recreation of the events or a retelling of the story of the Cultural Revolution. Rather, it is an articulation of what it was like to live through the catastrophic period as a young child. I have two stories to tell which I hope can demonstrate my point. My mother, an engineer who had suffered a great deal during the Cultural Revolution and has been living in the United States for over two decades, told me after she first heard Hun performed that the work reminded her of all the pains and anguishes she experienced during the Cultural Revolution, but since forgotten. When Hun was performed by the New York Chamber Symphony, an old Jewish lady said to me afterwards, if you only change the title to the Holocaust, the work would be equally appropriate. It's a rather long work, Lacerations. We won't be able to feature it on the program today, but it's well worth listening to, and you can find many recordings of it online. My guest on the program today is composer, conductor, and educator Bright Sheng, first question that I asked him was about Western music in general in China, how he came to it, and if his generation was the first generation of Chinese musicians to become interested in the Western classical tradition. My generation was the first uh, generation, and partially because of Madame Mao. You know, I wrote an opera a few years ago called um, um, Madame Mao. It was because during the Cultural Revolution, which was culturally and, and politically and in every way is a disaster. But Mao's wife was controlling the propaganda sector and she allowed people, young people, to be accepted as students at uh, symphony orchestras, ballet companies and so forth because otherwise there's no other profession that allowed except being farmer because the high school were closed, the college were closed and Mao had a mandate. Young people after junior high had to go to the countryside to be farmers. So if you your your ambition wasn't being a farm farming in in business or the farming business in China at the time was just manual work. So if you're not interested in that, the only chance you had is you if you had any talent in performing arts. You could sing, you could dance, you could play a piano, you could play an instrument. So everybody studied violin because that was the cheap way to do. And people would go to uh, being a young farmer in the countryside, but when they got home, they picked up the uh, you know, $5 violin and practiced. So that, that was, I think it was the first time music in general became so popular. But Mao's wife was also interested in so-called uh, her version of fusion of Western and Chinese music. So Western music was allowed 
after I graduated from junior high, because I took some piano lessons, so I went to Qinghai province, which was eastern Tibet, which is part of Tibet a few hundred years back. And uh, I arrived there, I found out I was one of the best pianists in the whole province, although I wasn't very good. But I was allowed to play Mozart and Beethoven just to practice, of course, not performing it, but um, to practice because I was accepted by the provincial state-run musical theater and dance group. And a situation like that was vastly popular during, during the Cultural Revolution. And I think that created the first wave of fascination of Western music, which continued after the Cultural Revolution. That's an excerpt of a fascinating conversation that I had with composer Bright Shang, who is my guest on the program today. Let's hear a piece of music now, the piano quintet, Dance Capriccio. Once more, here's Bright Shang to tell us a little bit about the inspiration for this music. Dance Capriccio is based on sharper music. It's a, a small, very small ethnic group living by the Himalayas, next to, you know, closer to the Tibetan. Their culture is shared a great deal with the Tibetans, but not quite the same. Their music is quite unique and quite different. More, to me, more chromatic than the Tibetan music. And so I used some of their music as a basic inspiration, but mostly I'm inspired by the snowy mountains in, in the Himalayan region where I was, that kind of serene, open space, and dance, and they love to sing and dance, those people. So that's why I call it a dance capriccio. It's kind of um, free-structured, but it's um, lots of excitement within the color spectrum of different moods. That's Bright Shang talking about the piece we're about to hear, inspired by the indigenous folk music of the Sherpa people high up in the Himalayan mountains in Nepal. Here is pianist Peter Serkin with the Shanghai Quartet to perform Dance Capriccio, music of Bright Shang.
as I listen to that piece, I can really hear what the composer Bright Chang was talking about, this evocation of not only the landscapes, or the mountainscapes rather, in the Himalayan mountains in very high Nepal, but also the music of the indigenous people, the Sherpa people. We do have this kind of sense of serenity. I can picture snow falling gently, the serenity of the mountains, but then I can also hear in those wilder parts of the piece, perhaps the Sherpa dancing, this wild folk music that Bright Chang told me about. I feel that both musical elements are convincingly realized in this piece of music, Dance Capriccio by Bright Chang. We heard pianist Peter Serkin performing with the Shanghai String Quartet, music of Bright Chang, who is my guest today on the program. That piece, Dance Capriccio, evokes this landscape that was so central to the youth of Bright Chang. In fact, this is the place where the Chinese government basically proclaimed him a professional musician. But it wasn't too much longer after that that he came to the United States, and he's done very well here. He studied composition and conducting with the great Leonard Bernstein. He's won the Genius Grant, as it's called, by the MacArthur Foundation. And in 1999, he was invited to the White House to perform for Bill Clinton. So not bad for somebody who struggled under the vicissitudes of the Cultural Revolution in his youth and was really deprived of professional teaching resources. He's a remarkable figure as a composer, a conductor, and also as an educator. Let's turn now to a piece that I think really well integrates Western and Eastern classical music. This is the Three Chinese Love Songs. Here's Bright Chang again, one more time to tell us about this music. Yeah, those I wrote a long time ago. Actually, it was to celebrate Bernstein's 70th birthday. It was commissioned by Tanglewood. So he was very interesting, of course, encouraged me to using my folk background of my Chinese culture. So I selected three original Chinese folk songs and have the singer more or less singing the original way a folk singer would do. It was a high soprano singing that sometimes with straight tones and all that. But the piano and uh, viola would do completely different things. It's like uh, just provide a backdrop of the atmosphere rather than just you would hear in a Chinese um, a folk song, you know, with, with just playing along, not quite in that kind of a fashion. So in this, you could sort of hear the voices going one way, the, uh, the instruments is sort of going the other way, especially the piano. But hopefully they also stay together as a quite interesting uh, entity. So that was, I wrote that in 1988, so it was a... a my first attempt using the 20th century technique combining with my native folk song. That's composer Bright Chang talking about the music we're about to hear, his first attempt as a young composer to integrate elements of Eastern and Western music. The three Chinese love songs, they are Blue Flower, At the Hillside Where Horses Are Running, and The Stream Flows. Here's the composer himself, Bright Chang, performing at the piano alongside Paul Neubauer, viola, and Lisa Saffer, soprano. Three Chinese love songs.
Three Chinese Love Songs by composer Bright Shang. We've gone a completely different direction from some of the music that we've heard by Bright Shang. I think he's nothing if not a multifaceted composer. Those are so lovely to me. We heard Elisa Saffer, soprano, Paul Neubauer, viola, and the composer himself, Bright Shang, performing at the piano. The three movements are Blue Flower, At the Hillside Where Horses Are Running, and The Stream Flows. You're listening to Relevant Tones, a show featuring the music of contemporary composers. My subject today is the music of Bright Shang, who has spent half of his life in China, half of his life in the United States, and integrates these influences seamlessly in his music. To subscribe to our podcast or for streaming versions of this and all previous episodes, you can visit relevanttones.com. You're listening to Relevant Tones, a show featuring the music of contemporary composers. My subject today is the music of Bright Shang, who has spent half of his life in China, half of his life in the United States, and integrates these influences seamlessly in his music. To subscribe to our podcast or for streaming versions of this and all previous episodes, you can visit relevanttones.com. My guest on the program is composer, conductor, pianist, and music educator, Bright Shang. We've had such a lively discussion on the program today about Chinese music, about Western music, about blending them, integrating the two, and about his experiences during the Cultural Revolution, which is still something I think a lot of people in the West don't know a lot about, what was happening in China in the 1960s and 1970s, and how a lot of artists like Bright Shang suffered, and it was difficult for them to obtain educational opportunities. And it's always amazing to me how these artists persevered and mastered their instruments, became composers, waited for the conservatories to reopen, in many cases came to the West and honed their craft. That's certainly the case with Bright Shang, who is a master composer and somebody who is seamlessly integrating Eastern and Western music. In fact, I think he's so well known for this seamless integration. It's become such second nature to him that was one of the first questions I asked him, what are the hallmarks of a good integration between two different musical cultures? In a short answer, it doesn't really matter what do you do. People don't, as listener, they don't really care how you come about, and they don't really care which part is Chinese, which part is Western, and they just want to be moved and to, to enjoy it, to have a good time. And we uh, study Beethoven, you know, Beethoven also used a lot of folk elements, but we don't think about those nowadays. We just think Beethoven is a great composer. And the same thing when we, when we listen to uh, Bela Bartok, we, okay, say he used a lot of uh, Hungarian folk materials, but what makes Bartok great, it wasn't because of those elements that he used. It was because he's, first of all, he's a good composer. And he blends seamlessly, and the end result is all matters, that we have a great time listening to his music. We get excited by his music. We, we get moved by the beauty of his music and Beethoven and so forth. So that's my goal. I think it's a fascinating answer to the question, how do you blend these elements seamlessly? Well, you don't think about it. You try to write really, really good music, music that communicates to the listener and music that will last for a long time. That's the goal of any composer. And, well, for my money, at least, it's well achieved by the composer Bright Shang. And we're going to hear that in the piece I'm about to play, The Blazing Mirage. This is a large-scale piece, and there's so much happening in it. So here is Bright Shang one more time just to tell us a little bit about this piece. This was a request by a foundation in Hong Kong. They wanted to 
write a piece based on Dunhuang, which is a mural caves, a Buddhist mural caves in in the city, that western part of、uh, China. That was the gateway during the Silk Road heyday of the Silk Road period. At the time, a thousand years ago, there was the last stop of a Chinese city, and when you go out, you, you got into the Gobi Desert, and then you go west, you you go into the Central Asia, and go eventually reach Rome. So、um, you traded silk and along with other things in in the. Uh, in this trade, and became very, of course, became very lucrative. And、uh, so, about two、uh, thousand years ago, a monk was in the in the Gobi Desert around that area, and saw, of course, a mirage that one thousand golden Buddha. And so he he thought that was a hint for him to build the first temple, Buddhist temple, on the. Cliffs, and he started this tradition of these. So, to me, the phenomenon of Dunhuang it was a blending of Chinese culture, the mainland Chinese culture, and Central Asian culture. So, I started with a cello solo. This is for cello and、uh, string orchestra. So, it started with a cello solo, sounded like a.、Uh, Mukam. I don't know if you know what that is. Mukam is a classical Central Asian music form, and in every country, in Central Asian country or culture, they claim they have the most authentic mukam. I studied mukam during my years with you know studying the Silk Road cultures, and so I started with the cello playing kind of a mukam narrative for about two and a half minutes, and then the string orchestra came in, evoking some folk. Materials from that northwestern part of China, so you have two very different musical material. One is very chromatic, Central Asian influenced, small intervals of mukam writing, essentially,、um, like old man is singing, started with the C string really low, and then、uh, the string orchestra comes in. These are big jumps in 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 the Chinese folk songs in that area. And so those two materials worked together, culminating a very exciting dance. That's Bright Shang talking about the music we're about to hear, the Blazing Mirage. Again, this is a large-scale piece for solo cello and string orchestra. I think it's a wonderful piece. There are so many different influences, again, seamlessly integrated in the music. Bright Shang is conducting his own music here. The Hong Kong Philharmonic Orchestra, and Trey Lee is the cello soloist.
Music inspired by the vision of a Buddhist monk who saw a blazing mirage and then knew that that was the place to set up his Buddhist temple. That is The Blazing Mirage by composer Bright Sheng, who we also heard conducting the Hong Kong Philharmonic Orchestra, and Trey Lee was the cello soloist. Bright Sheng has been my guest on the program today. Again, we had a very lively conversation. It was a pleasure to have him on the show. I think it would be a crime not to at least touch on the string quartets because Bright Shang is well known as a composer of quartets. So as we go out today with the last couple minutes of the program, here is just a little bit of string quartet number four, Silent Temple. music from Silent Temple, string quartet number four. Again, Bright Chang, well known as a composer of string quartets. Thanks so much to Bright Chang for being my honored guest on the program today. Relevant Tones is produced by Jesse McCorders. For more information about the program and the artists we featured, to subscribe to our podcast, and for streaming versions of all previous episodes, you can visit us at relevanttones.com. Relevant Tones is made possible in part by the generous support of the Aaron Copeland Fund for Music, the Amphion Foundation, and the listener supporters of the WFMT Fine Arts Circle. 
This project is supported in part by an award from the National Endowment for the Arts. Art works. I'm Seth Bostead, and this is the WFMT Radio Network.